0: To just make fun of me. They set me up, right? So if you're over 40, you may not even understand what I'm talking about. But one night, um, my daughter, you know, she likes to secretly videotape me too so then she can like Snapchat this to all of her friends. And she's like, Dab, what does dab mean? And I'm like, Hannah, dab is like, you know, you dab, you dab, you dab. And anyway, if you're not laughing, you don't get the joke. But she was videotaping that and sent it all out. This is my dad. What do you think? So what a dab means? Um, But anyway, this is an amazing time of year because this Wednesday, one of my favorite holiday events happens. Do you know what Wednesday is? It's the ladies' cookie swap. And I love it because... There's a whole bunch of cookies that come to my house Wednesday night. So ladies, it's 7 o'clock. You don't have to bake cookies. That's the word I want to get out to you. You don't have to bake cookies to come to the cookie swap because they still do crafts. They do other fun stuff. So like every, every lady is invited. If you bring cookies, there's a whole amount of cookies you need to bring, and then you come home with a big variety. But uh, it's a great event, so I just wanted to let you know about that. Um, and as Blake mentioned, next week on Christmas Eve, we're having a 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock service. You know, if, if you get that invite card uh, when you came in, hopefully today, I'd encourage you to invite people. It's going to be a one-hour service. There's going to be a lot of different things going on. We'll sing Christmas carols, candlelight, and everything. And it's going to be a really enjoyable time. And I think your neighbors, your family, your friends, they'll, they'll like it too. So please, if you can come and invite some people for next... Uh, Christmas Eve, either four or six, that will be great. Just to let you know, there is no child care for the Christmas Eve services. So it's, it's a one hour, so many different moving parts, kids, kids won't be a problem, you'll be fine. Um, so we're starting, well we're not starting, but we're in our series of carols, and obviously today is Away in the Manger. And uh, just a little history on a way in the Manger, the song was first published in a Lutheran Sunday School curriculum, and that was in 1885. Now there's a controversy, right? Lutheran was started by who? Lutheran Church, by Martin Luther. And people thought Martin Luther, Martin Luther must have been the person that wrote the lyrics to Away in the Manger. And actually, it, people now think it's not Martin Luther, but no one has any idea who it is. So like, we owe this, this great song to someone, but we just don't know who the someone is. But, um, so anyway, that's, that's the history of, of Away in the Manger. But there's a, uh, in the first stanza, there's a line that I'd like to just zero in on as, as we spend some time this morning. And it says, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. So next week, we're going to have our really encouraging, uplifting, loving um, sermons. So this week, I thought I'd bring you more of the challenging type of sermon. Is, that, is anybody okay with a challenging sermon? Yeah? So, so if you are, get ready. Buckle up. But we're going to be talking about the little Lord Jesus today. And you know, there's something about thinking about a six-pound, eight-ounce little Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know if they weighed babies back then. I don't think they had a scale. So I don't know how heavy he was when he was born. But I do know this, that he wasn't just the little Lord Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus, right? So this morning, we're going to be talking about what does it mean when we say Jesus is Lord. So would you agree with me? Jesus is Lord, right? We say it all the time. Jesus is Lord, yeah, amen. But what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? So I, I want to start by looking at, the, at the, uh, the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. We've read from this a, a number of weeks. But we're going to be reading verse 9 through 11. And it says this in Luke 2, 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So who is the Savior? What's his name? His name is Jesus, but his name is Christ the Lord. Right? Jesus is Lord. This is where we understand that, okay, that the whole gospel message started with with God coming to earth as a baby. And and away in the manger tells us it's a little Lord Jesus, but here it tells us in the Gospels that there was born to you this city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our life, right? And and I want to get real practical and just think about this past week. What does it mean for Jesus to have been Lord? Maybe you're married. So what does it mean to have Jesus be Lord of your marriage? Maybe you have a job. What does it mean to go to work and have Jesus be Lord? Maybe you're in school and you've been taking finals. What does it mean to have Jesus Lord in the middle of your finals and and your projects and and all this stuff you got to do before Christmas vacation? What does it mean if you're buying Christmas presents for Jesus to be your Lord as you buy Christmas presents, right? We we do so many things during the week, but isn't it hard sometimes to wrap your head around, no pun intended there, um, to wrap your head around, what does it mean to have Jesus be Lord as I'm going to buy Christmas presents? What does that look like? So I went back in the Greek and where you see Christ the Lord, I looked up, what does that word in the Greek mean for Lord? And the Greek word is kurios and it's supreme in authority, controller, Lord. That's what that word means in the Greek. So when you look at that, does anyone have a problem with that definition? Like you just, is there any word in there maybe that, that bothers you like supreme in authority, Lord? But Jesus, my controller? Like, we don't often refer to him as that way, but that's what Lord is. He wants to be the boss. He wants to be the one in control. Now, maybe you're like me. You also like to be in control. I, I do. I like to be in control, and over years, I've learned how to manage my control. Here's the best way I've found to manage it. want to know my secret? If everybody will just listen to what I say and do what I tell them to, we'll have no problem at all with my control. It's just, it doesn't always work that way, right? So, so now I know that I've got Jesus who is the supreme controller. And we got a little arm wrestling match going on between me and my Lord, right? I can't call him Lord and say, I'm going to be the one in control, right? There, there can only be one pe- person in control, right? Now, if you've ever had that time where maybe you're fighting with someone to be in control, what does that look like? You ever seen that? Sometimes uh, me and my teenage son, when they were younger, we could, we could be fighting for control. And it, and it started to like, get a little louder, get a little louder, maybe get a little more explosive until, okay, no, there's only one person going to be in control, and it's me, I'm your dad. Like That's it, I'm pulling the trump card. Um, well, God can pull that trump card on us. He is the one to be in control, but you know what? He never does. If, if, if we're not going to let God be in control, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He'll take a, he'll take a step back and say, you want to be in control? Just go right ahead. Like I'll I'll wait, you'll come around, like you'll you'll understand. Um, so what does it mean to have Jesus be Lord of my life? But let me just get technical for a minute. Do I make Jesus Lord of my life? Or is Jesus already Lord? Like I, I don't make Jesus Lord, I surrender to his Lordship. See what I'm saying, right? Like when he came down to this earth. And he was a baby and then grew up and died. Like he was already Lord. That's who he was. It's now I just recognize him as Lord. I just surrender to his Lordship. So I don't, I, I may invite him to be Lord of my life by me surrendering to him, but he already is Lord. Amen? So we're going to look this morning at what does it mean to surrender to the Lordship of Christ? So we, we see in the, away in the manger the little Lord Jesus. Now we know what Lord means. It's recognizing someone as supreme in authority, our controller, our Lord. And we realize that we don't make Jesus Lord, God made him Lord. But now we need to investigate what does it look like to surrender to that Lordship. So I think in terms of flow charts a lot of times as an engineer, right? I, I think, okay, I could go down this path, I could go down this path, or I could go down this path. So there's three possible options to this, but I've already canceled out one because that's what you got to do. No, this one just is not possible. So two ways I think we can surrender to the Lord. We can partially surrender or we could fully surrender. The option of we're not going to surrender at all, I'm kind of putting off, I I, I X that one out. If we're here this morning, there's obviously some desire to come into the house of the Lord. So I'm going to rule out that we're not surrendering to God. I'm going to say it's just we're going to partially surrender or we're going to fully surrender. So, you know, when I was looking at these two definitions and I was just considering the partially surrendered life, I I came across a term I'd never heard before. Maybe you've never heard of it either. But it was called the Christian Atheist. And you may say, wait a minute, how can you have a Christian Atheist, right? They just don't go together. And the definition I read was it's talking about how we can believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist. And, and that's where we live when we're the partially surrendered life. We believe in God, but we're really living as if he doesn't exist. And Jesus, Jesus talked about this concept in the Gospels when he was talking about a wise, a wise builder and a foolish builder. And if you know the story, we're just going to read one verse in a minute. But the wise builder built his house on a sand. And, and the, I mean the, the wise builder built his house on the rock. And the foolish builder built his house on the sand. And then the winds came and the wave came. And like, you know, guess whose house got demolished? The one that was built on the sand. So Jesus is talking to that foolish builder. And he says this in Luke 6. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Ouch. Huh? I told you I was going to be challenging, right? But why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you read my word? And you don't do what I say. So, you know what? I want, I want to look up the scripture here. It's the one in Matthew where it says, yeah, we're supposed to forgive others. God, do you know what they did to me? Like, Lord, if you knew what they did to me, I just can't believe this part of your word, Lord. I, it's, not, it's not it. So, another place in God's word, it says that we're supposed to give of our money. God, you don't know my finances. Like, there's no way that I can... You want me to bring a tithe 10%? Like, that's ridiculous. God, I can't do that either. I can't believe that part of your word, right? The partially surrendered Christian will read the Bible, but we don't believe it because we're like the Christian atheists where, where we say we're a Christian, but we actually live like we don't believe in God anymore, right? So we could go on. You know what? In another spot in his word, it says, okay, you shouldn't lust after a woman. God, that's just not possible. Have you seen the women in my school? Have you seen the women in my work? I, I can't read that part either. I'm just going to take that whole section and throw it down. Now, lest you think that I should have been struck by lightning right now. It says the Bible, but it's really a journal. It's not really the Bible, okay? So don't be mad at me. You can forgive me now. I'm sorry if I was causing anybody a heart attack. But that's what we do. We look at God's Word and we say, God, I can't believe this part of your Word. I can't obey that part of your Word. And that's what a partially surrendered, that's what we do as a partially surrendered Christian. Now, if I was to take this to the extreme, it's not just that I disagree and don't obey God's word. I actually come up with my own translation of the Bible. So I came up with one. It's called the PSV translation. Anybody think they know what PSV stands for? Partially Surrendered Version. Yes. So that's, you were very good at understanding that. Do you know what TLA stands for? A TLA is a three-letter acronym. You've got to practice on your acronym speech here, all right? But we got the partially surrendered version translation. Now, if you're new here this morning, this is not a real translation, okay? But this is a partially surrendered version translation. And and here's a scripture you may know uh, that that I found in in this Bible. It says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Yeah, I think I can do that. And lean on your own understanding. Oh, I'm really good at leaning on my own understanding. I got that one down. In some of your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, I can do that. And you can make your own path straighter. If you can't, MasterCard can. So there you go. Like, we are following the word of God this morning. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, don't amen that scripture. Um, (laughs) But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, no, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to find your life, you've got to lose your life, right? How many of know that it's not right for us to make up our own religion, right? I, I can't choose what I want to read. Like, this is either all of God's Word or it's none of God's Word. It's not that I just get to read the New Testament and ignore the Old Testament. They're there for a reason, Now, I may not understand it in totality. That's okay. I'm still going to read it and say, God, would you show me what your word means? Would you help me live out what your word? But I don't get to pick and choose which verses I want to obey and which verses I don't want to obey. I either do it all or or why do it? So as I consider more about a partially surrendered life, would you agree with me that, that to come under the Lordship of Jesus is to surrender my control to Him? Right? That's really where I start, to, to move from partially surrendered to a fully surrendered. It's about me surrendering to who God already is. He is Lord. He wants to be my Lord. He wants to be your Lord. So he's the one who defines right and wrong. I don't get to define it. I, I, I may not like his definition at times. I may want to say, no, God, it is okay for me to go do X, Y, Z. And he's like, no, it's not. Like, You just need to understand He's the author of truth. We don't get to just make it up. So when I consider that, and I, and I consider these words, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Like there's an element that for, probably for all of us, we feel like, yeah, ouch. There's times where I, I say Lord to him, but I'm not following. There's, there's pieces of your Bible, God, I've ripped out. I, I'm not doing what you want me to do. So I want to ask us all three questions this morning that maybe would help you zero in on what is the area of your partially surrendered life that you need to fully surrender i know as i've asked myself these questions these challenge me so here's the questions what have i not surrendered to the lord what area of my life am i still trying to control and what area am i unwilling to give to god so i just want to take a minute close your eyes and let's just ask god holy spirit would you show us what are the areas that we've not surrendered to you father Lord, what areas are we still trying to be in control of? Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's not hard for me when I ask myself those questions and I reflect to come up with some quick answers. Because you know what? I live the same life you do. I I fall short often. And, And there's times where I worry and it's like, okay, so what am I worried about? Well, I'm worried because I really don't believe or I don't surrender fully in this area, right? And, and, I, and I think as, as we start to go down the path of God, what is this that I can't let go of to you? God, how do I, how do, I do that part? How do I let go of that part? Um, if we ask God, he'll help us. But, but I see something in Paul's letter to the Romans that I, I want to point out here. It says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves, if we live, it's to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Isn't that an amazing scripture, right? So, so how many of you would say, you're alive today? Raise your hand if you're alive. All right, there's about 50% that are alive. That's good. I'm happy for you. The other 50%, I don't know. We need life support. Um, I was supposed to do this earlier, and I forgot. Maddie, let me, let me steal a mic because you're here, and I want you just to tell us one minute, when did you first come to know Jesus, and, and how did that happen?
1: Okay, so Christmas is truly a miraculous time of the year. On December the 27th, 1980, I went to a meeting at the town hall in Amherst, New Hampshire, And there was an evangelist there. And he gave his message. I had no clue what he was talking about. My heart was beating. And when he gave the altar call, everybody closed their eyes. And, you know, you listen to what they tell you. And I thought I was going to pass out. My heart was beating so much. And then I had this feeling that somebody was standing in front of me. So... I'm curious, I opened my eyes, and there's the evangelist standing in front of me with his hand extended to me. What was I going to do? I burst into tears, grabbed his hand, he pulled me to the front, and here I am. Hallelujah. Amen, yeah. Now, all right,
0: that's pretty bold. If you're the pastor, to go up to someone, you know, and just, but like I'm sure he felt God prompting him to tell him. And, and Maddie was ready. Maddie just needed that invitation. So what does it look like to live a life that's honoring to the Lord? You know, when we're talking about inviting people to a, to a church service, like it can change their life. But we're afraid sometimes. God, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want anything to be said that could embarrass me, right? Or, or someone to speak something that may, maybe they'd be offended because it's the truth. It's just not the truth they believe in. But, but when I look at, okay, what does it look like to belong to him? I need to recognize my life is not my own. I've surrendered to his lordship. God, I, I want to live for you and I want to honor you. And, and for a moment, it's kind of like me wearing a wedding ring. There was a time when I first got married that my ring was super uncomfortable. And if, if you're newly, um, newly married, maybe if you're a guy, you, you have the same thing. Like you're just not used to wearing jewelry. Right, So I would, I would take it off every night and put it on the dresser because I just couldn't fall asleep with a ring on, as dumb as that sounds, but I just wasn't used to wearing rings. And if I go to the gym, I take it off because like I, I couldn't be working out with equipment and doing stuff and holding a ring. And, and then probably two weeks after I was married, I'm at work and I... I lost my ring. Oh my gosh, where did my ring go? And I would worked out that morning and I'm like, as first break, I've got to go back to the gym. It was on campus and see if I can find my ring. So I, I went back and first went to the locker room that I had put, the locker I put all my stuff in and there was my ring and it had fallen out of my bag. And I put it on, I'm like, you know what? I'm just never going to take it off anymore. So I changed the oil, I mowed the lawn, like whatever I'm doing, man, my ring's on and I haven't lost it in 33 years. Isn't that a great thing, right? So that's good. But while I'm on the subject of of wedding rings, so when I was going to get engaged, I didn't have any money. But I wanted to get a ring to get engaged with, right? Now, when you don't have any money, you got to have the next best thing. I had an Uncle Enyo. This is a true story. My Uncle Enyo was a jeweler in New York City, and like he could hook me up with a ring and I could make payments on that ring, right? So... I'm graduating. I'm going to give Meg a ring, and like this was my life savings, which wasn't a lot, and I still owe a lot more on the ring. But like I'm giving Meg the ring and saying, "Will you marry me?" So how much did that ring cost Meg? Didn't cost her anything. But when she said, "Yes, I'll marry you," how much did it cost her? It cost her her life. Right? She has to live with me for the rest of her life. Ah, jokes on her. No. No, it's been wonderful. But you see what I'm saying, right? It's Jesus died on the cross for us and it cost him his life. And he offers that to us. You know, it didn't cost me anything for him to die on the cross. But the minute I say, Jesus is Lord, there is only one response I can give and that is it costs me everything because I'm giving him my life. Right? And, And that's what keeps... What keeps Meg and I together isn't the fact that she said yes 33 years ago. It's the fact that we still love each other today and we're in a love relationship. The fact that we say Jesus is Lord isn't because we might have done it 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 20 years ago. It's because we should be in a loving relationship with him. Right? That's what a fully surrendered life is. That we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. We live to honor the Lord. We die to honor our Lord. So we know that Jesus is the little Lord Jesus in the manger. Right? But he's not just the one that died on the cross. He's the soon returning risen king with a sword with the name that Jesus is Lord, right? Yeah, that's my Jesus. And when he returns again, he means business. He means business. He's not coming back to say, okay, yeah, I understand that you couldn't always follow my ways. Like, we're going to go to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Right? And, and there's, there's some haunting words that I read in Matthew haunting, but we're not there yet. (laughs) First, I wanted to give you the other side of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So this is what it talks about in Proverbs 3. If we want to be the fully surrendered believer, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not with some of your heart, right? And lean not on your own understanding. It's so easy. We lean on our own understanding 90% of the time, but God's word doesn't tell us to lean on our own understanding. He says, lean on on His understanding, lean not on our own. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Not you, He shall. So that's what it looks like to have Jesus as Lord, to acknowledge Him and He'll direct direct our paths. So as I acknowledge Him, I, I wanted to better understand that word acknowledge. So Old Testament is written in Hebrew, New Testament is written in Greek. I went and looked up that word in Hebrew. What does acknowledge mean? And it's a Hebrew word, yada, and it means to know. And I said, where else is this word yada used? And you know, you find the same word in Genesis when Adam and Eve talks about their intimacy together. It's to know one another. It's the same word, right? So God, how do I know you so that you could direct my paths? You know, I I find that sometimes I don't surrender in certain areas and maybe it's because I haven't known God in that area. Right, so, so let's get personal for a minute. There's a lot of areas that I don't fully surrender to God. I'm working on it, right? But here's one recent one I'll tell you about. I've learned through my whole life that, you know what, giving is just something you do. And, and I can't explain it, but like when you give to God, it's amazing how he blesses you, right? It's the only time in the Bible he says, put me to the test. So I understand God to be Lord of my finances, But what's new to me is to be pastor of a church and try to manage a church finances where you don't control all the ins and outs, right? It's new. And you know what? It's challenging when things start breaking. Remember Christmas uh, family dinner when all the toilets backed up? If you weren't here, you didn't know that. Yeah, we finally figured out why. We got a pipe that, you know, goes down and, and it's supposed to elbow, but there's no elbow. It just goes right down to the ground because <laughs> the pipe is rotted out. So like we were able to fix the clog, but we've we got to do something about that pipe. It's not a permanent solution. God, this is, like, this is like having the biggest second home alive, but like this thing is old that we got here, and there's stuff that breaks. God, I could worry about our finances, but I'm like, no, God, I, I, I have to surrender to you. Like you are Lord of the church's finances. That's not my problem. It's your problem, God. This is your church. So we don't surrender sometimes, maybe because we don't know God in that area. And God wants to get us to to recognize who he is in those areas where we can't surrender to him yet. But when we come to know God, to know him is to love him, to trust him, and to surrender to him. So so whatever that area is for you that a minute earlier you were thinking, where is it that I can't surrender to God? Where is it I can't trust God? You know, start to say, God, what does your word have to say about that? Lord, let me begin to love you and, and receive your love in that area. And God will give you the ability that you can surrender him. But you know what? Surrender and trust go together, right? It's, it's, you can't really surrender to someone you don't trust unless they just got a gun to your head and you're forced to <laughs> surrender, right? But we don't willingly surrender to someone we don't trust. I, I read all throughout the Psalms that God has an unfailing love for us. That's amazing. Like his love will not fail. We, we can put God to the test. God, God is there for us. He understands how we're made. But now I want to get to this haunting part of Matthew, these words that Jesus says, "Yeah, let's just get right into it." Um, so Matthew 7:21 says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord again we see this Lord Lord right first it was to the foolish builder and now it's to all believers or all that would think they're believers not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles really They performed miracles and then I'll tell them plainly I never knew you away from me you evildoers like if that doesn't haunt you it haunts me because I I want to hear what on the final day I want to hear well done thou good and faithful servant not okay depart from me I never knew you you evildoer I don't want to hear those words right so so what is it about us today that would keep us away from hearing the Lord Lord didn't I do this? Didn't I? So, so what would it look like today? Maybe you could come and say, well, Lord, Lord, didn't I go to whatever that ministry was, 1268, 1269, one of them? Like, I went there. I served the people. God, remember the Harvest Fest? Like, I, I was out there. I volunteered. I was there. I was one of the last ones there cleaning up, God. So, so we have this pretend game as believers where we're checking boxes in our mind. Well, I came to church today. That's good check. I read my Bible. That's another good check. And like if the good checks outweigh the bad checks, we're, we're in okay standing with God. But that's not what it's all about. God is a relational God, right? So when, when the Pharisees asked God to ask Jesus, summarize all of the Old Testament law and the prophets, he summed it all up into two statements. You might know them. It was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a relationship. He summed up all of the Old Testament, all the law in this relationship statement. So God isn't interested in what we do, that we prophesy, that we drive out demons, that we perform miracles, that we go serve at 1269 or, or do this good deed. He's interested, do we have a relationship with him, right? And, he, and for some of us, he'll tell us plainly, I, I never knew you. Like you were talking the talk, but you weren't walking the walk. Now, now, lest you would come like me and say, oh my gosh, I'm like... I was going to say I'm screwed. I'm screwed, right? <laughs> like, I can't think of another word right now, sorry. Um, like, God, I've blown it. I, I, what do I do now? God isn't interested in how many boxes I check. He's interested in my heart. He's interested in, okay, I, I stumble, but I don't stay down. I get up and I say, God, would you forgive me? Lord, I'm so sorry. God, I want to read your word not to check a box. I want to read your word to get to know who you are. Lord, there's these areas of my life I don't know how to surrender to you. God, can you show me your love? Can you fill me that I would be able to surrender that more to you and and give it over to you? Like that's how we move from this partially surrendered believer to a fully surrendered believer. And that's what God wants for us. He he doesn't want us to just come to church every now and then as, as if we're checking a box or do these good deeds as if we're checking. He wants a relationship with us. He said, Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things I say? You don't obey my commands. He doesn't want lip service, right? And, but, but what do we do? Like, would you be honest with me? I'll be honest with you. Yes, yeah, sometimes I just give him lip service. Like I come in, I raise my hands, and I'm thinking about other stuff in my head. Don't tell me you've never been there. Don't judge me right now. <laughs> you've done it too, but when I come to Jesus and I admit, God, I'm not perfect, Lord, but I need you. I, I need you in my life. Like God is so there for me, and he's so there for you. So would you stand up with me as we close? So I think we've recognized this morning, and there's a big difference between calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to his lordship, right? Like probably every one of us has different scriptures in the Bible that we've, we didn't mean to. But by our actions it's like we just tore him out and threw him down saying god i I i'm not believing that part of your word because i'm not following it but you see the little lord jesus he's not a part-time lord he's a full-time lord and he's not looking for part-time christians he's looking for full-time fully surrendered christians amen but you and i can't be that part-time christian i mean we can but we don't want to be like, I want to be able to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And really, really mean it with all of my heart. Not just say it like, I, 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 want, to, I want to check another box. God wants to be in relationship with us. But, but if we're honest with ourselves, like, where are we living right now? Are we more on that partially surrendered life versus the fully surrendered life? Would you close your eyes with me and let's, let's bow our heads. So I want to ask you this morning... You know, sometimes people come up to me after service and they're like, oh man, Greg, you were talking right to me. If if this message is hitting you hard, maybe it's because you're living on that partially surrendered life and and this is a day where you need to make some things right with God and say, God, you know what? I've blown it, but, but I'm not recognizing you as Lord right now and I need to come back to you and I need to recognize you as my Lord and Savior again. I mean, I'll be honest. I need God's power to be fully surrendered. And, and I go to his word every day and I, and I pray every day because I want that relationship where I can receive his power. But, but maybe you're not in that place. I'm not asking that, that if you're fully surrendered. I'm asking, like, are you even in a relationship with Jesus that's mattering, that's making a difference in your life? Maybe, you, I'm not even asking, did you give your life to Jesus 20 years ago? But where are you today? Like, does... Do you have a relationship with Jesus that matters? And, and if you would say, Greg, you know what? I don't. I'm, I'm that partially surrendered believer and I want to be fully surrendered. I, I want to tell Jesus, Jesus, you're my Lord. Would you raise your hand with the, this morning so that we could pray together? I see those hands. Yeah, keep raising them. Because this is a statement you're making before God. You're not making it to me. Anyone else? You say, God, I want to be fully surrendered to you this morning. God, I'm not living where I need to live. All right, you can put your heads down. Thank you. So now let's pray together because I'll I'll join you in raising my hand that you know what? I I don't want to be partially surrendered to you, Jesus. I want to be fully surrendered to you, God. God, you know that there's times where I blow it, Lord. And I'm sorry for those times. But God, I I know that you're not as concerned about when I blow it. You want to be in relationship with me, God. And I want to be in relationship with you, God. I recognize that Jesus didn't come as just a little baby. He came as my Lord. God, I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, for all of us that raised hands and for those maybe that didn't raise hands but they're feeling the same thing, God, we want to surrender to your Lordship today. God, that as we go through the next week leading up to Christmas, God, we, we wouldn't just be living for ourselves, we'd be living for you. God, that our relationship with you would matter to the sense that we'd be listening. Lord, what do you have me do here? God, we wouldn't acknowledge you and, and just trust you in some of the ways, Lord, but in all of the ways. God, that you would direct our paths. It wouldn't just be us figuring out what we want to do and i asking you to bless it. Come, Lord Jesus, be our Lord today. We surrender to your Lordship. And God, I thank you that you're right there with your love, with your forgiveness, with your mercy. God, there is no shame. There is no guilt in the gospel. So God, I, I thank you. We receive your love this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in your precious holy name. Amen. All right, have a great day. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you.